Good evening. Welcome to Good Friday here at Agora Bible Fellowship. I'm going to ask you to stand up to your feet. We're going to worship the Lord for just a couple of moments standing, and then you're going to spend the rest of the evening sitting and just kind of reflecting. Uh, let's just take a moment to kind of center our thoughts on the Lord and the evening and um, take a second just kind of worship Him and let His Spirit be in this place. Ah! 
forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well and your spirit is within me because you died and rose again sing that again I'm forgiven you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned, and I'm alive and well, and your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again.
seated. Tonight is Good Friday, and in the chronological order of um, the, the Good Friday and the, the Passion Week narrative, uh, Christ would have been crucified and buried at this time during the day. Uh, this is the beginning of uh, the Sabbath. It's the beginning of Passover, and um, it's this moment in which we contend with the dead Christ. Um, and we were kicking around ideas. What are we going to do for Good Friday this year? A couple weeks ago in staff meeting. And Pastor Scott said the theme of death to life. And it all just kind of resonated in the room. You could just feel it kind of percolate through the room. And everybody was like, yes, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the reality of death to life. And how that's what Good Friday is. And how we see it echoed in scripture. We see it echoed in nature. We see it echoed in our spiritual and emotional relationships. That's the theme of our night. We're just going to kind of allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts uh, regarding death to life. And so my job is to kind of set the table here. And I just wanted to read a couple scripture to kind of set the tone for the evening. Um, we're just going to spend some time kind of letting the scripture speak to us, letting these songs speak to us. And then you're going to hear three devotionals uh, throughout the, the course of the evening. And then Pastor Scott's going to come share. Uh, and we're going to take some communion together. So to get us started, I just want to read a couple of scriptures really quick that kind of set the mood here. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And then this is the Gospel of John, and Pastor Scott's going to speak on this a little later, but it says this, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And then Isaiah 65, and I want to read a chunk of this because it stirs my soul on Good Friday. Isaiah 65 says this, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. 
For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. And a little bit later in verse 21 it says, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of the tree shall be the days of my people. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we reflect tonight on death to life and how that is ultimately culminated in your crucifixion and resurrection on Easter Sunday. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and work in our hearts and in our minds. Reveal to us our spiritual death. Remind us of our need for new life. Lord, fill our hearts tonight. Give us pause. Grant us your grace as we worship and focus on you tonight. Oh, sacred head, now
The idea of death to life, that death precedes life, is something that is so interesting how God sets up in even creation a spiritual analogy. I think this idea happens all around us, and I just want to remind you of some of those things of where something died and out of that something lives. I saw an interesting article about what they do with old subway cars in New York, and in fact, over the last several years, over 2,500 subway cars have been dropped into the ocean from Delaware down the north to North Carolina because they realized that those uh, subway cars, 18 ton each, uh, with all the uh, uh, doors taken off, etc., if dropped into the ocean become a habitat or a fake kind of coral reef. And so the death to the, to the uh, subway car becomes life for all kinds of fish. And you can see what's happened in the next slide. You'll see that there's this uh, teeming with life uh, picture of what happens when uh, a subway car becomes a, a fish habitat. And so that's, that's a, a pretty cool illustration from the death of a subway car, who, interesting enough, carried millions of people in its Re, in its former life, quote-unquote, and now repurposed for fish. Um, the one that I'm sure you're thinking about, though, is this next one. Well, of course, the ultimate creation transformation is the what, kids? A caterpillar, right. A caterpillar uh, turns into a butterfly. Now, these are one of those weeks when you're studying. I've learned more about caterpillars than a, than a grown man should know. I'm just telling you right now. But the idea is that out of this little egg becomes a caterpillar, and the job of a caterpillar sounds like an awesome job. Its job is to eat, and to eat, and to eat. I'm thinking that would be a great job. If you're, and, and if you know what happens, they eat, and they shed a skin, they eat some more, and they shed another skin, and another skin. On the fifth time, they go into a what they call a chrysalis, not a cocoon, I learned that, a chrysalis, and ultimately out of that chrysalis out comes the end result of a butterfly. And I think about that last stage of, of becoming a butterfly as we grow in Christ, as we feed on His Word. Scripture says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And that actual word for transform, as we know also in Romans 12.2, where it says, don't be conformed this world, but be transformed, is the actual word metamorphosis, where we get that word, and the same happens to a butterfly. Now, the third illustration that I think about in terms of nature is 
comes from my days of living in Minnesota. You can see the two worlds that we lived in. And those of my Chicago friends are here, they know what I am talking about. Man, it is winter, and I'm telling you, everything, the leaves fall off the tree, things go dormant. I think, actually, people go dormant. I mean, we hibernate, we read books, we sit and listen you know, to you know, the radio and TV, and, and it's just, for me, was a very depressing time, to be honest with you. And I could not wait for winter passing and then spring coming, and that tree that is, has no life in winter every year reblooms, and the spring brings new life. The last illustration from nature that I can think of, actually, I saw this firsthand. Many, many years ago, I used to take high school kids on backpacking trips up into the sequoias, and one year we were doing the Rays Lake Loop, and it's where you go in for about a mile and a half, you do this loop, and you come out the back, uh, the same trail you came in on. We go in about two miles, and that same day, a forest fire happened, and essentially the forest fire is behind us now, and, we're, and it's following the trail we're on, and it, and it actually, as we went left and went this way, the, tr uh, the forest fire went this way on the trail that we would eventually get to a week later. And I remember a forest ranger saying, you're going to stay out there for a while while we contain this here, and then on your last day, you're going to hike out 14 miles, uh, but it's going to be desolate. And I remember walking out with these high school kids and seeing just a scorched earth. I mean, it was scorched. It was completely black, and it would be like something out of a sci-fi movie meets, you know, the moon meets just desolation. And it, as far as I could see, and the ground was hot and it was still smoldering, and I'm thinking, nothing is ever going to come out of this. This thing is, this is ruined forever. And then I saw pictures of that same forest that we hiked out of uh, just a few years later, and out of a burnt forest, you see pictures like this where there's new life growing out of a, a place that was completely scorched. And in fact, we realize now, as I learned more about forest fires than a grown man should know about this as well, is that because we've tried to protect the forest by not letting fire happen, oftentimes all that brush grows up and then when there's a fire, it's a really bad news. Nature had a way of taking care of it all along. God had a plan. It's called lightning. And when that happens, forests burn, and then it, that growth takes care of, and there's a cycle of life. In fact, the rangers know now, every forest we now see today came out of a fire from years, thousands and thousands of years ago. In fact, it's a natural part of how things are regenerated. God gives us spiritual truth in nature to say that where there's death, he creates life. And in fact... The scripture says that, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things, the dead things, the burnt things, the discarded things are passing away. And behold, all things have become new. Death always precedes life, from death to life.
sons to glory. Death to life. Um, I would say that we also see this theme just in our world, uh, in our physical bodies. Um, no, in my 30 years on this planet, have I ever seen anybody resurrected from the dead. Um, I'm sure you haven't either. Uh, but I think we definitely see it in people that have to detox from drugs and alcohol abuse. Um, a couple years back, when I first moved out here from Chicago, God had an, an interesting idea of providing financially for me, and I was uh, selected on a grand jury, not just a regular jury that takes a single case, but the criminal grand jury of Ventura County, and I was on the jury for three months, and what we did on this jury was we took in every single case that came into the county. Every single case came in, and we sat, there was, I believe, 18 of us on this grand jury, and we sat, and we decided if there was enough evidence for for the case to go into an actual trial and get a, a real jury. And they would give us the case file, we'd see a photo of the defendant, we'd hear the charges, um, and we'd hear all the evidence against the defendant. And so we'd have to decide if there was enough evidence to go to, uh, to trial. And it was crazy, I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, somebody that's been on drugs or has a, an addiction to drugs before, but it was crazy seeing the pictures uh, of these people, of all the defendants, and hearing how old they were compared to seeing the picture of them, it was mind-blowing. 
Um, there is no way I would be looking at a photo and I'd say there's no way that this person is only 30 years old. There's no way this person is only 40 years old. They look like they're 60. Um, it, it was mind-blowing. It was crazy to just see the destructive power that the drugs had on them physically. Um, unfortunately, I, I had a chance to see this in my own life. My baby cousin, um, baby, he's 25 years old. That just goes to show how... Yeah, I turned 30 a couple weeks ago, and everything is, like, downhill. Um, so my baby cousin, uh, he, he got addicted um, and started using, and I have a picture for him now, my 25-year-old cousin. Okay, that's not my cousin. Uh, did you guys see this movie, Benjamin Buttons? Yeah, I thought it was weird. Uh, bad joke. Okay, so I'll just move on. Um, but seriously, this is what it reminded me of. Like, I was sitting in the jury room, and Benjamin Buttons is what I was thinking, because these ages just did not match up with, um, with the pictures. Um, the effect that drug abuse has on the body is, is crazy, and it's terrible. Um, in preparation for tonight and just researching out, um, I, I did a little bit of research just to see, like, what's going on inside the body. Um, and, and some of you probably already know this, you're probably smarter than I am, but the brain naturally produces some chemicals. Um, I'm sure you've heard of a few of them, dopamine, serotonin, um, that give the body the sensation or the feeling of happiness or pleasure. And the, the reason why people take drugs is because it gives a fake super happiness or a high. And um, like I said, it's, it's just fake. And after time, the body and the brain they adjust to having these drugs, and the only way that they can feel pleasure, the only way that they can feel happiness is to continue to use, even though the drug is killing them, literally destroying their body. For all intents and purposes, drug addicts are dead. They're dead. Um, the last two years that I've been working here at ABF, um, I've had a really cool opportunity to work with the Agape ministry here. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it's the high school choir that we have. And we go out on two tours um, every year, a mini tour and a main tour. And um, on these tours, we go to rescue missions. We go to rehab facilities. We go to teen challenges. Uh, most recently, just a couple weeks ago, we were at the Ventura County Rescue Mission. We were at Ventura Teen Challenge. Um, and you get to see these people that have, that have been through it and to see dead people and, and having these conversations with them, they admit they were dead. They were dead. Um, and then they go through a detox um, and, and separate themselves from the drugs. Um, and it's hard. And it's really hard. It's crazy to hear the stories and to hear them talk about how they were dead and then to hear them talk about like what they had to come through um, and just some of the, the things that they had to go through, the overpowering cravings for the drugs the nausea, the chills, the seizures, the depression, the extreme hunger. Um, but then to sit down and talk with them on the other side and to just hear their overwhelming joy um, was pretty amazing. And to see the quality of life that comes afterwards. Um, they talk about the detox and they mention just how hard it was. But it's the perfect picture, the perfect picture of seeing somebody that was dead and then after coming through, there's new life.
My name is Bonnie Shoden, and this is my husband Ryan Shoden, and we've been attending ABF for just over two years. We have two children. We have our son Brayden, who's nine, and Bella, who's ten. We met each other um, online. Her profile <laughs> had that she wanted a six-two, blonde hair, blue-eye guy, and I was like, "This person's got to be kidding me." They've got a lot of nerve to put something that descriptive in that. But she's pretty. <laughs> so I uh, sent her a message. And then she had the audacity to say, like, I'm actually funnier on the phone. I'm like, who is this person that thinks they're so funny? And then I talked to her, and she's funny. <laughs> it was like we were old friends mm -hmm. that just met for the first time. It really felt like that. Yeah. The reason I went to online dating was... I was finishing up with uh, a divorce. Both of our parents are still married. And so I grew up with just my parents being together forever. It wasn't anything that I foreshadowed as happening in my life. So then when it did happen, um, like I really felt like lost. Like, this was not supposed to happen. I had a covenant with God, and then I broke it. And on, on top of this, like, it's affecting um, my daughter, and, like, that's not fair to her. And so I had a lot of 
pain there. I'm also divorced and I felt very sorry for my son, who wasn't at fault in any of this, but he was being raised by a single mom. It was a lot of years of not having faith. I just wanted to be loved so bad, and it wasn't because I wasn't loved growing up or, or anything like that, it's just I had this hole in my heart. And Brayden filled it, you know, temporarily, but once he was in bed, it was just me alone with my thoughts and um, just very lonely. I had some really bad guilt feelings and I was not close with God and feeling just like I had failed my son, I had, you know, just kind of screwed up my whole life and that I wasn't ever going to be redeemed. There was a moment in time where my sister, my older sister, sat me down and she's like, your life is not going to change unless you start doing something. And so the next day I was like, I'm going to pray for my husband. I knew, like, I had been really blessed in my life before uh, going through that divorce, which I never expected to happen. So I knew God had been so good that it was just a storm that would pass. You have to believe that, you know, God does love you even when you don't feel like it. And He wants to bless you and, and focus on Him and it'll come around. There's nothing that God can't put His hand on and fix and heal and love on. We recognize, we get it, we know that God hates divorce just like any other sin. And it wasn't something that we would ever hope for, for anyone. But we're also so thankful that Jesus brought our lives back and was able to redeem us and give us a second chance. Throughout my life, God has always been there and he was even there when I was like at my lowest point. And he brought me through that and I feel blessed more than I could have, than I deserve and I could have imagined. It's just so amazing, like coming through that other side, being redeemed, having that redemption. It's so, it's so amazing. Special thanks to Bonnie and Ryan for sharing with us just a, a tender story just of their, their life. And really the, the statement that captures me in that was that when Bonnie said, I, you can't, there's nothing that God's hand can't reach and restore and rebuild. And what, what a beautiful picture and what a true statement as you think about this idea of death to life. If you only populated the Bible with people that perfectly adhered to God's word, guess who would be left in the Bible? Jesus, right? If you only populated ABF with people that perfectly adhered to God's word, guess who would be left? Nobody. That's right. This would be an empty room other than God's presence. And so this evening, this idea of death to life is the, the, the perfect picture of what actually allows us to tell a story like that is the bridge that, that fills that gap, that perfectly fills that gap, is God's grace, right? Is God's grace. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We all know this part. By his wounds 
you have been healed. Perfect picture of the picture of death to life. By his wounds, you have been healed. He bore, what does it say? He bore, in other words, he carried our sins on his back. Let that sink in for a moment. One author I like described it. He says, he was treated as if he had stolen, gossiped, murdered, envied, hated, and lied. As if he had cursed, robbed, overspent, overeaten, and disobeyed. As one who shirked duties, abandoned children, ignored the poor, played the coward, and belittled Christ's name. As one who never held his razor tongue, splitting families, acting smugly, accepting bribes, burning down buildings, perfecting terrorist tactics, founding false religions, and trading slaves. He bore all of it. Whatever sin you can come up with, whatever creative idea you can bring to your mind, whatever one that maybe didn't make that list, he carried every single one of them on our behalf. Death to life. By his wounds, you have been healed. No evidence of disease. What does it say? So we are no longer slaves to sin, but free to choose, to choose right living, to choose to to live differently because we've been set free. None of this could have happened without that brutal cross, without the betrayal, without the shouting, the spitting, the mocking, the whips, the torn-out beard, the horrible crown of thorns, the suffocation on the cross, the spear in the side, and most agonizing for Christ, separation from the Father. That death brought life. As I was walking in, I was just greeting people as I normally do, just chatting with people and saying hello. And it's funny on Good Friday, you're not really quite sure what exactly to say, like, happy Good Friday, uh, good to see you have a, gr-. you know what I mean? You're, you're kind of stumble through that because the truth is there's not much to say. This is the part that needed to happen, the death that needed to come before there could be life, right? It's the death that needed to happen before there could be life. And that's what we're here gathered tonight to do is just take a little time to slow down and acknowledge that. Acknowledge that there needed to be that sacrifice, that he needed to bear our sins to bring new life. John 5, 24, as he mentioned earlier, Chad mentioned earlier, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, we love this, but has passed from death to life. It's passed from death to life. Notice the, the word that hinges there. It says, uh, you, you got to believe. That has to be a, a foundational thing. I would hate to think of someone in this room that's never put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ, never embraced that free gift that he's offered. For that person, I would plead with you, as I have in weeks past, that you wouldn't leave here without getting that solved. But for the rest of us that have embraced that free gift, gift this, this night's really about slowing down and Saying thanks, right? Slowing down enough to pause and say, wow, thank you. You bore all of my junk. You carried all of it. You, you bore it on my back. You are undeserving of any of that, but you carried it for me. 
one of the things we do to remember and say thank you in our church is we, we take time to have communion each month. It's one of our regular traditions as a church, but a little different going into Good Friday. So it brings it a little bit more to light. I want to invite the men to come forward now, start passing the elements. Before we sing this next song, I thought we'd just take a few moments just to say thank you. Maybe to bring to mind, man, that, that's a sin I committed that you carried that. Oh, there's another one that comes to mind. You bore that too. Oh, there's, there's one I maybe tucked away, haven't been willing to admit. Let's take some time just as the elements are being passed just to talk, to, talk with him. Tell him thank you. Ask him to bring to mind some of the things that he's bore, that he bore on that cross on our behalf.
The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this together. The same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim his death together. The powerful thing about this story is there's the death piece. There's also the life part, right? I have that etched in my mind, that picture that John showed of that forest with the dead trees there. A little image of that, that tree just starting to sprout up. Wasn't that a cool picture? Think of that and that picture of each one of us where he makes something that's broken and dead and turns it into something beautiful, right? Let's sing about that. Would you like, guys like to stand and sing one more song? that is not 
Anybody else grateful for that this evening? Amen. Well, let's continue. That's right. That's worthy of clapping for. Let's continue in celebrating this on Sunday. Does that sound good? Try to think through somebody that you think should be there on Sunday morning and take a risk and invite them. How about that crazy idea? All right. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning.